Cast Ball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f- put that in. I don't. So the tribe drops its third straight on this trip, six to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I'm talking about the past, I'm talking about the history, I'm talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I wouldn't know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going into the highest baseball sport that has gone into baseball, and from the baseball angle, I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember it's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And this team sucks. Well, he is out. He's out. Yes, sir. Brady is out. Look at, look at this. Brady is out. And uh, Damon Mack. I'm not here to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. It's been run cleaner than any baseball business ever put out in the hundred years of the present time. Sell the team. Oh yeah, welcome aboard. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network, ready for an exciting two hours of baseball talk here. We're going to get into a lot of stuff going on with free agent signings, the offseason, the GM meetings, stuff like that, and catch up on some stuff going on in Bases Empty blog, of course, JohnPielli.com, the whole thing. But I'm going to start the program off by playing an interview. I recorded with a guy who was a, a part of the 1969 World Series champion, New York Mets, and that's Rod Gasper. And Rod Gasper is an outfielder, actually was a starting right fielder of the Mets that season. And he ends up being, a, obviously, a, a part of the World Series championship team. Um, game four, he pinch ran for Jerry Grody, scored a winning run when J.C. Martin laid that bunt down and an errant throw by the pitcher hit Martin as he's going to first. Gasper was the guy that scored the winning run. So a lot of interesting stuff to get into being part of the 69 World Series championship, what that meant for New York and the fans and, you know, the players who obviously were underdogs coming in in that season. So, you know, a ton of great stuff to get into. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this interview with former Mets outfielder and Padres outfielder and 1969 World Series champion, Rod Gasper. Good afternoon, this is John Pielli, and I'm here with former Major League outfielder and uh, 1969 World Series champion Rod Gasper. Rod, what's going on, man? Well, John, we're, we're here in Southern California. Looks like Brian and I are doing well, and everybody our family seems to do pretty well. How about you? You doing okay? Yeah, yeah, everything's going good, man. And of course, you know, Rod, you had an opportunity to, you know, play a couple seasons in the major leagues, and you know, obviously, you know, it, it pretty much comes down to the, the one, the one full season you had with the New York Mets in 1969. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your recollections from that season. Well, I. I had signed with the Mets in 1967 when I was in college, Long Beach State College, and uh, played like less than a year and a half in the minor leagues. I had two good seasons uh, with the Mets, and uh, in 1969 I went to spring training with the big league club, and with my uh, confidence at the time, I figured I could make the club. Well, when I get to, I found out that they had no plans for me to make the ball club because I only played less than a year and a half professionally. 
chances we really hit 50 points higher because in different ballparks on Easter League uh, 67, it was, it was hard to hit. Now, the lights are bad, the fields are bad, but the Texas League was more of a hitter's league. But uh, I had two good years from there, and then from that, you know, they put me on the Major League roster for 65. Well, once again, Jacques Piatta here with former Major League outfielder Rod Gasper. Now, you know, and, and, you know, 1969 comes, and obviously, you know, you kind of hinted at it before with the opening days of losing every opening day since the team's inception in 1962. Did you sense anything different, like, let's say, in the clubhouse and spring training coming into that season that made you think that this team was going to be better than it had been in the past, you know, seven, eight years? You know, I, would, I didn't even think about that stuff. I just had to make big club. I had no idea, so I'd never been to big leagues before. There, there were guys like Jerry Grody, I guess, from what I understand, I read about this, and he really said that, you know, we had this, we had a kind of something to win the World Series, and he thought we could win it, and he was convinced we could, and he, I think, you know, he talked to the pitcher, Steve who was winning the gang there, and all the rest of them, and, uh, you know, you have to talk to them, they were talented anyways, but he felt we could win it all. Now me, I I wasn't you know, in those conversations, like I said, I was just trying to try to uh, make the ball club, which I did and I had no thought of, you know, winning anything. I just wanted to make the club and well, help us win. Which of course we did. <laughs> Yeah, now as that, as that season goes by, you know, you know, the, you know, the Mets are competitive, but still trailing, you know, the Chicago Cubs up to, you know, a certain point of the season, and then things start going your way. The Mets end up getting, you know, Don Clendenin, and you know, things start to go in the right direction. Was there any point in that season where you, you know, you kind of, you kind of looked at the field and kind of looked up at the sky and said, hey, you know, there's a chance that something special could happen this year? Right. Uh, Gil, I remember Gil did an interview. In the division, you know, late in the season, you know, you know, the, you know, the team's going to the postseason. Obviously, you know, they they, they have the uh, the league championship series and end up getting to the World Series. You know, take us a little bit about back through that time. You know, obviously, you mentioned that this is a very young team, and we, you know, with uh, youth comes a lot of inexperience. Um, was was there anything that stood out to you in the way the team kind of handled itself going into the postseason? We were young guys, we hadn't experienced that before we were off. We wanted to impress with 
you know, we expected to be, I know I did, uh, I would think the rest of the guys did too, you know, as professional athletes, you got to have confidence in your abilities, you have to think you're the best, and you compete anybody, I mean, I still, I still think that nowadays I'm playing in handball tournaments, I'm a handball player, and I play in national tournaments, and I still think I can beat anybody that's out there, you know, sometimes I don't, but most of the time I do, and that's where you have to think as a, as a professional athlete and, uh, as an athlete, and, uh, you know, we weren't impressed with Atlanta or only with the Cubs or Atlanta or Baltimore, who well, on paper, if you look at their starting lineups and look at ours, doesn't look even close. Uh, I mean, they, you know, the Cubs had Tony Banks and the Don Kessinger and Glenn Becker, Remy Hundley, Ron Sanso, Billy Williams. And, I mean, they, you know, they had some horses version, Jenkins, Kitchen, Kenny Olsen, uh, uh, and Atlanta, of course, Henry Aaron, Enrico Cardi, Orlando Cepeda, Joe Micro, and of course Baltimore with the boys, uh, the Robinson guys, Franklin Brooks, and uh, all their pitchers they had, Jimmy uh, Palmer and Quayar, and uh, McNally, and you know, I mean, just a lot of lot. Who do we have? Yeah, you know, I mean, think about it. People, I, I tell people if I have a hard time remembering many of the Mets, I remember Seaver. Probably, but a lot of people don't even realize that Nolan Ryan is on that team. And, uh, but it doesn't make any difference. You know, you, when you play in these short series, it's who plays the best and uh, who is consistent or clutch. And obviously, we're the better teams than, than those other three teams I've mentioned. Yeah, and by the results, you absolutely were. I tell you, the one thing that stands out for, you know, a lot of the teams that you just mentioned, the Cubs, you know, even the Braves and, of course, the Orioles, was the fact that they had a lot of experience coming in. Um, was there ever a, a thought where the, you know, the Mets as a, as a team that year kind of considered itself an underdog or maybe looked into any of maybe the outside stuff to the fact that maybe outsiders who rely a lot on teams that have experience maybe had doubts over whether the Mets could do what they did? Well, I think everybody thought we were the underdog, and we knew that. I mean, even I remember watching a full-time tape on a pre-game show with Mickey Mantle and Sandy Colfax, and I don't remember the interview, I figured the next thing. He's a well-known guy, but even when we were ahead three to one in the series, and you know they were predicting that Baltimore would win the next game, they just said they win the series, but they, you know, win the next game. So we were always the underdog, but you know, who cares? I mean, you got to go out in the field and play, and obviously that's what we did. I mean, we did. We. You know, we won the close games uh, throughout the year, won the close games in the, in the World Series with Baltimore. Uh, we, were, we were just that type of club. We didn't have a high team batting average, but we hit the clutch. In fact, nothing happened that year. It's never happened in the history of baseball. I don't know if you remember, maybe you do that from the New York area. Most New Yorkers know more about you know, baseball than any of the players. Uh, I mean, I got guys who know more about me than I know about myself. New Yorkers are just that way. But uh, I remember we had a doubleheader with Pittsburgh, and we won both games one to nothing. And guess who knocked in the only runs in each game, John? You remember that? Was it Rod Gasper? You know, people said that I wish. But it, was a, it was a starting pitcher in each game knocked in the only one. One nothing, one nothing. Don Cardwell and Jerry Kuzma. 
Sweeney, the Pirates have never had. It never has ever been done in the history of baseball. But that's just that's the team we had. I mean, we had other situations. I mean, just things we'd win. Uh, you know, we just win in clutch situations. Just I think the ball players, just guys that knew how to play a game. But you know, even more so. Besides that, we had a, we had a manager who was the best. I mean, there's no doubt. You know, Hodges was the best. Absolutely, and I've said it a hundred times that Gil Hodges does belong in the Hall of Fame. Once again, John Pielli here with former uh, Mets outfielder Rod Gasper and, of course, 1969 World Series champion. Now, you know, under the World Series, of course, you know, a big moment in the series was in Game 4 that you were involved in. Uh, you know, Jerry Grody gets the double, the intentional walk to Al Weiss. Uh, you come in as a pinch runner for Grody. Uh, J.C. Martin ends up laying down the sacrifice bunt. The, the, throw, the throw to first base ends up hitting the runner, which allows you to score the winning run. Uh, you know, take us back to that moment, um, you know, kind of what was going through your mind and, you know, what that felt to you to be able to score the winning run in that spot. Yeah, that's what you know, the Chase Stadium, and, you know, we have huge crowds. There's probably, you know, 50,000, 55,000 people that are on second base. And J.C. lays down the bunt. Of course, I go to third. It's a great bunt. And I go to third, and as I'm rounding third, then he yells, you know, within a couple feet of me, and I, I didn't realize I just saw it around, but he was yelling at me to go, and I couldn't hear him. You know, he was only a couple feet away. I couldn't hear him because of the, the noise of the crowd, and I just happened to look over my shoulder, and I saw the ball rolling out towards second base. And when I saw that, I took off and, and you know, scored the, uh, scored the run to win the fourth game for the Mets. And the first guy to greet me at the home play was Tom Seaver, who pitched that game, and he, he got the... Uh once again, John Pielli here with former Mets outfielder, 1969 World Series champion, Rad Gasper. And now, you know, game five against the Orioles, of course, you know, a big moment in the history of the New York Mets franchise. The Mets win the World Series. They clinch it at home. From your perspective being there and being part of that moment, um, you know, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your head when you think of the last out of the 1969 World Series? You know, I can remember sitting in the dugout, uh, and uh, Johnson, Davey Johnson, hit that fly ball to Cleon, and I thought, he, I thought he hit the ball pretty well. But the Yogi, I was sitting at the Yogi, and Yogi ripped it, and he says, that's it. And he knew that, the, that the Johnson didn't call it, and uh, that was it. And, of course, we all ran out on the field, and uh, we were the world champs. It's great. You know, in sports, how can you beat that? You know, there's champion. Yeah, no question about it. And I'll tell you, it must have been uh, must have been tough, uh, you know, first getting on the field and then getting off the field after the fans, you know, obviously rushed the field after the win. Oh yeah, because you know the fan, you know, that's crazy. People, I mean, it's actually kind of dangerous. But yeah, we managed, we managed to get off and uh, with the help of uh, security and all, and you know, get in front house and then uh, you know, of course, we had a great celebration party and. It was wonderful. I, in fact, I still have video of, of a lot of that, a lot of that scene in the clubhouse. I've, I've seen a video of that over the years. 
Yeah, I tell you, it must have been a fantastic moment. And, of course, you know, something that, you know, coming into the season, you know, the expectations weren't where they were. But, obviously, you know, once that last out was recorded, you knew, you know, you, you we were, as a team, the World Series champions. And, you know, going, going through, you know, getting off that field, getting to the clubhouse, um, you know, anything really stand out in the post-game celebration that kind of sticks with you, you know, throughout all these years? Oh, I don't know. I mean, we're all excited and happy and uh, knew we were the champions. So uh, it's just fun. You know, I had my parents there. My dad was in the clubhouse with us. So, you know, he got, he got that thrill of around the celebration. And, uh, uh, but, you know, that was special, having him there. And, you know, it was just a nice time. I mean, it was, it was great. Great for us, of course, and the Met organization, and, and great for the city of New York, which was, you know, struggling at the time. And, uh, but it was just, it was just fun. As far as I remember those details, I mean, that's 44 years ago, uh, but uh, almost uh, for this. But it was just, you know, a group of guys who deserve the win, and uh, uh, it's a happy time for us. Yeah, no question. Now, you know, one more question I want to ask you about that team. You know, you mentioned a lot, you know, about Gil Hodges, and you know, there's no doubt in my mind that he does, he does belong in baseball's Hall of Fame. Do you think it was possible that the team could have accomplished what it did without a guy like Gil Hodges at the helm? No. No, he, he did a super job. He, I mean, came over what, 60, 67 or 68. And, you know, he improved the team from one year to the next tremendously. And, of course, in 68, you know, improved it. The 69, he improved it more. I mean, he was a boss. He ran, the, he ran the, the club like it should be run, and, uh, and we all respected him, and he did, he did a great job. I, 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 if it was, I, I believe that, you know, we had a great ball club, but how great your club is, you know, the greatest player in the world, but you don't play together well, and you don't have a manager who knows how to organize it, and put it right line up and substitute right, and use the, the right pitching, you know, I mean, we, we had the right guy for No, absolutely. Once again, John Pielli here with former Major League outfielder Rod Gasper. Now, you know, you, you know, 1970 season comes. You know, you're part of the team there. After the season, you get traded to the Padres. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and you know, what what was going through your mind while you, you know, while, while that ended up happening. As far as trading, traded. Yes, yeah, to the Padres. Yeah, well, I was I was single at the time in 
in 70 and 71, and I didn't really bust it like I did when I was, you know, before the Miss United season, so I didn't deserve to stay in the big leagues for any period of time, because, you know, my attitude was wrong, and by the time I straightened that out, a few years later, after I had a couple of kids, it was kind of too late to get back to the big leagues, although I did get back in 1974, but, uh, anyway, you know, I have no complaints, uh, you know, baseball's been good to me, and I was like, I was talking to my wife the other day about that, So, you know, you end up, you know, sticking around in a Padres organization for, you know, several years up until 1976. You know, of course, you were part of the team in 71, you know, coming up to the majors and again in 74. Uh, you know, was, was, was there any point that you hit, you know, uh, where you felt any frustration? Uh, you know, you mentioned about 70 and 71 not being in the best, uh, you know, maybe shape mentally in regards to, you know, the, the the importance of, you know, working out and staying, you know, staying in the best shape possible. But, you know, obviously you straighten that out, you know, throughout, you know, the, you know, 73, 74, 75, and 76. And after the 74 season, you don't get a chance to play in the major leagues. Was there, uh, was there any point where it got, like, frustrating or you felt like, hey, you know, maybe I might not get a chance to get back to the big leagues? some time. Appreciate you giving me a couple minutes and, uh, you know, best of luck to you in the future. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview there with Rod Gasper. And I'll tell you the thing that fascinates me the most about it, obviously, uh, you know, to get a chance to talk to a guy who uh, was part of the World Series championship team with the New York Mets. Obviously, the Mets only have two of them, the first one in 1969. Uh, You know, that was great to kind of go over. But one thing that kind of stands out to me is, uh, you know, Rod Gasper being a rookie on that team. Uh, getting his first opportunity to play in the big leagues and winning the World Series in his first year. And he talked about the things that happened in his personal life going through that afterwards. 
and you know to kind of be a little lax afterwards and i think that's something natural that happens to ball players once they experience a little bit too much success too early and he ends up you know paying for it over the next couple of years before kind of getting himself back together and putting in the work and everything that needs to be done to be a major league player at that level but you know a guy that ends up sticking around until 1976 but only has a couple more cups of coffee in the big leagues after the 1969 season so uh, you know something kind of a uh, you know crazy to think about but another angle to talk about a player that had success won a world series championship with the new york mets in 1969 in his first big league season but was kind of unable to stick around in the big leagues after that so uh you know hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview with rod gasper definitely great catching up with and talking to him but what we're going to do is we're going to take our first break of the program we'll be back um talking about some issues going on in major league baseball a little bit of free agency stuff like that be back after this. Are you searching for something different for your child's education? Consider Atlantic Christian School, where faith and quality education meet. Listen to what one of our students has to say about their experience at ACS. Atlantic Christian School is a family. Through one of the toughest years in my life, my ACS family stood beside me. My teachers were loving and supportive, and my friends shined God's love in different ways to make each day brighter. Atlanta Christian has a nurturing academic environment and is a second home to me. I am thankful for the school and family with which God has blessed me. Join us for Open House every Wednesday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at 391 Zion Road in Egg Harbor Township. Or enroll today. Visit us on the web at acseht.org or call 653-1199. Atlantic Christian School, where character, Christ, and community count. I'm Ron Sulpizi from the MTR Sports Report. Not sure where to eat? Then listen to these reviews. Awesome. Amazing Greek food. Everything is fresh. Great family restaurant in the heart of Ocean City. Katina's is an Ocean City staple. When you've had your fill of pizza, cheesesteaks, and ice cream, head for Katina's. Katina's Gyro Restaurant, 501 East 9th Street, Ocean City, New Jersey, 609-399-5525. Check out their website, katinasfoods.com. That's katinasfoods.com. Order their famous Mediterranean dressing, and they'll ship it right to your door. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Katina's Greek Restaurant. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. M-T-R. Welcome back, John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Ton of stuff going on, obviously, Major League Baseball signings, Carlos Ruiz re-ups with the Phillies for three years. But I tell you one thing that stands out to me is the fact that Ruben Amaro Jr. cares about winning right now. And uh, I've said this on other programs. You've heard me talk about it. Listen, some people may not be happy with the duration of the contracts that he's given out to people. Carlos Ruiz, three years, $26 million, possibly a little bit too much. I think I agree that that's a possibility. 
but he wants to win now. And he's going to put together the best team that's going to give the team a chance to win right now. The future may not look so bright, but I think you can look at the Phillies as being very competitive in the 2014 season, regardless of the amount of money that he's paying these players. I think a lot of people overrate that a little bit. But going forward, there's some crap out there, people are saying, and obviously... Uh, the Robinson Cano meeting with the New York Mets, his agent, Jay-Z, the whole thing. And to me, that's the much to do about nothing. You're looking at Sandy Alderson going out there saying that he's going to, uh, you know, he's not going to sign another player for $100 million. He seemed pretty adamant about that. I think uh, Cano's, uh, you know, agency, the Jay-Z group, is trying to just put some feelers out there, maybe get some more teams involved in talking with them, make a presentation of why it would make sense. I think it's a lot to do about nothing. And once again, you know, Mets Twitter, every time there's something that involves the Mets, they feel the need to talk about it all day and all night. I, I think it's, you know, obviously – much to do about nothing. Not a big deal. Robinson Cano is not coming to the New York Mets. But moving on, I'm going to play an interview that I recorded with longtime Major League pitcher Juan Berenguer. And Juan was part of the 1984 Tigers team that won the World Series, the 1987 uh, Minnesota Twins team that won the World Series. The Braves ended up making the playoffs in 1991. He got hurt but was part of that team. And he actually started his career in the New York Mets organization. So a ton of stuff to get into there. Hope you guys enjoy this interview with longtime Major League pitcher Juan Berenguer, also known as Senor Smoke and El Gasolino. Good afternoon, this is John Pielli. I'm here with former Major League pitcher Juan Berenguer. Juan, what's going on, man? Nothing. I'm here in Minnesota. I started getting calls, and I was seeing no, absolutely, it has, man. And of course, you know, you started your career. You were drafted by the New York Mets in the uh, 1975 draft. You end up coming up with them. You know, tell us a little bit about you know your experience. You know, being drafted and coming up to the major leagues with the Mets. When in, in 1975, uh, Tony Oliva for me in Cuba when he played a little tournament for my country, and uh, he gave me all these bats. Yeah, you end up with uh, you know you end up with the Mets organization, and you have you know you have a breakout season in 1978. Uh, you know you you were the pitcher of the year for Tidewater. You know you really established yourself as a starting pitcher there. Did you did you seem at that point like you were kind of coming into your own? Yeah, I was a pitching coach, and they tell me that you really coming along, and I you have to. Uh, 
Yeah, now, of course, you know, a year later, you know, it says, and I may have this wrong, that you ended up pitching for, uh, you know, in the Cleveland Indian system in 1979. If that's the case, what uh, what ended up happening there? Well, they give me the action that uh, they say to Cleveland, uh, they, they say to the pitching conference, uh, or the time is a pitching conference from Oklahoma, Washington, and he's a... Well, I'd like to well, uh, actually I'm very here to there to buy his contract at the And I go in there and I start him on, on 200 and I think it's 220 strikeouts. And then uh, that's when the medic called me back again. And I pitched one game in uh, it's Montreal, I believe, that, that day. And then and after that, and I kind of figured out and uh, maybe that will be in some place out or, or what, but I have to continue to work really hard. Yeah, and you, know, you obviously did, and you, you, know, you end up moving around a little bit. You got your, really your first experience in the big leagues in uh, 1981. You know, uh, the strike-shortened season, you pitched for Kansas City and a little bit for Toronto. Um, you know, I'm sure, you know, to a certain point, it probably felt good to get, you know, uh, you know, just about, you know, a full major league season. But, you know, at the same time, you struggled a little bit. So what a great decision, you know, once, you know, once you ended up in Detroit, uh, you know, you established yourself as a, you know, as a starting pitcher for them, kind of culminates with the 1984 World Series team. Tell us a little bit about being part of that 1984 team, because, you know, the Tigers, obviously, that season got off to such a great start and seemed to, you know, be no doubts that they were going to win that division and get to the playoffs, and obviously, you know, it culminates with the World Series title. Yeah, well, then there is, uh, they really uh, have a lot of guys who have been playing for a long time, and especially Chet Lemons and Lou Whitty Katramo, and, you know, these Eldar Evans and the Keshe Las Paris. And then they can't take it, so he's a one of the guys that uh, he's playing hard every day, and I see these guys. And I see Jack Murray, the Dumpik, the Milwaukee, and Dave Rossman. And uh, when Dave Rossman, he's kind of go down a little bit hurt, and um, that's what I do. I take it over and I pitch great and uh, because the good thing have a great, great, great good pain. They have a William and then already open and top there and uh Bill Sheraton uh, and myself and when I get it started I give everything he can and I start to believe it a lot of times and uh that's the reason I used to be calling the senior hook. They kick you up quick. And I enjoy it because I pitch fast sometimes six innings, seven innings, eight give me Give it out, get out of there, they sort of get it in the year, and I win a couple of games. And um, he happened to his probably my career in there, I've uh, moved Roger Craig to show me how to pitch 
example, my transport and my sweater, I kind of stopped it after that. Yeah, and I thought you hit on something uh, important there. Once again, John Pielli here with Juan Berenguer. Um, you know, the, you know, Sparky Anderson has the, the reputation of being, you know, Captain Hook. But I tell you, in 1984, he had a very good reason to do that because of the depth of the bullpen that you just mentioned. That he, the fact that he had three, four, you know, sometimes five guys that he could go to that he could count on that can get outs on a day-in and day-out basis certainly made it easier for him to pull a pitcher. Yeah, I think that's the reason they have it. Also, he's starting with the 30, 35 and 5 because, they, you know, every season they pitch it, he goes seven innings and uh, he can play the bullpen. And then, and you can see you have a good bullpen and, uh, you know, that the counts. And uh, by that time, he's the only guy that's throwing any innings at Jack Morris and, you know, want to get out of the mouth. And, and I think one of the big horses I never see is. Uh, when he go in there, that he always think of it going that inning, and that's what used to be my goal. And then Sparky Anderson let me go a couple, a couple game, complete games, and then and he tell me that I, I want to see if you can go that inning a couple times because I not I have to rest my bullpen. And then they spend, uh, before you know before the start, you have to go a little longer sometimes because they use all these guys early before Pete Reed and um, Jack Morgan and Welko. They used to know that we three guys in there. And I worked for me pretty good, and I started my career in there, and I believe four years in there, and, you know, a really good job, but I did. Yeah, and I'll tell you, you know, the 1984 team ends up winning the World Series. Now, you know, you didn't get the pitch in the playoffs that year. Uh, how, how, did, how did did that impact you going forward? I mean, it, you know, obviously you're part of the team. The team won. You're part of the team. But did it bother you at all to not get the pitch in that postseason? Well, at the beginning, yes, because uh, by that time, it's only played five games, the three, and that's kind of, uh, I put it to sink it, uh, yeah, out of the long river, uh, as you never see Jack Murray go down in the first inning, second inning, but third inning, and I'm down people either, um, you know, with the, and uh, you guys keep Johnny going to the sixth inning, you know, you go bring a well open, uh, a dog bear, or where you're at, and the game is over, thinking, um, the only I kind of say to myself, the only pray and that more of how people can fail in the first couple of four innings or something like that. Uh, and then now he playing seven games, he maybe have a chance. If I'm not playing play seven games, I have a chance to go on one of the games in my coach me can see it. But, you know, it's a win, it's a win, it's part of the team, so you have to share for the team, so uh, that's what I did. Yeah, once again, John Pielli here with Juan Berenguer, former Major League pitcher. Now, you know, after you left the Tigers, I know you pitched a little bit in relief before that, but you start to establish yourself. A decent year with the Giants in 1986, and then you go over to the Twins in 1987. The Twins end up winning a World Series that year. You pitch predominantly in relief that year. Tell us a little bit about you know being part of the 1987 Twins, again, the chance to you know pitch in the playoffs and in the World Series. Yeah, when I come into the to the Minnesota Twins and uh, I talked to just uh, Tom Kelly, uh, the president of the team, Paul Hart, uh, and Antonio uh, Oliva, uh, the pitching coach, and uh, he said they wanted to see, put me in the bullpen first, and then see they wanted me to find another third pitcher, uh, and that's when he find another strike and, um, and, and he said, when I need somebody to start the game, you will be my first choice to go on. And, and I did it. And, uh, I enjoyed the bullpens, and by uh, that time I know when I came growing away and everybody coming to throw one inning, two innings, and sometimes three innings. I 
and he said, I will give you all the chance that you can win the games and, uh, and to stay the games too, or to, you know, and that's what he said from Kelly. That it really helped me, uh, and it really put me in a lot of games close so that I can have a chance to win. With that team that year, he brought up the Kirby back, the Tangler, and Kirby that year, he said, and, you know, he's putting all these cards again closer than anything can happen in the Metrodon, and uh, obviously win a lot of games, and then uh, and finally going to the playoff against Detroit, one of the best teams, and then and, um, face my, my bodies in there. Yeah, of course, you know, you have to see that firsthand, how good that Tigers, you know, the Tigers team was for the most part. You know, for the exception of a couple little changes, it was kind of the same team that you played for, you know, just a couple years earlier. But, you know, you get a chance to win the World Series with the Twins. You pitch, you know, like I mentioned before, you pitch in both the ALCS and the World Series. Did that mean a little more to you than the 1984 team with the Tigers? I know you were part of the team the whole season, but you didn't pitch in the playoffs that season. Yeah, you know, it, it's, uh, I enjoy it more because you participate and uh, you have an old chance like the Detroit in 84. Both you know, they also have all the tools of people and every pitch and everything to win and the playoff and the winning of the World Series. Also in Detroit, right here in Minnesota, both you believe they only two pitches there by Levin and from Bayona and the rest is also, they have to help it to go all the way through. And uh, all these, you know, they're really hungry, younger, and uh, um, they wanted to win. And uh, the fun really helped us to get through there, and, uh, especially in the playoffs. And uh, also, also, been talking to win the first two games home, and then go back to Detroit and um, see what happened in there. And uh, they have to come back to to the Metrodons, and uh, I think it all is take a lot of advantage from there. Plus, a lot of the guys, you know, can see too much the ball, and um, that's why I come in really good pitching in the Metrodome, because I have been a lot of my players, in my team players, Kirby Parker, Herbert uh, Hayeris, and Rodden Newman, Yannick and Burnett, you know, all these guys, uh, what is it, what is you hard pitch that you know can hit, and uh, they tell me the, the inside pitching and the ability high, and uh, I said, I had to see it in the Metrodome, and that's what I used to pitch every, every rally in there, and I uh, successful that. Yeah, that's how you, you know, over the course of those years, you know, you're very dominant, you know, with the Twins, and, you know, the next year in 1991, you end up, uh, you know, going to the Atlanta Braves, also a really good start, a career-high 17 saves, really establishing yourself as one of the top relievers in the National League, and then, of course, you know, you end up with, uh, you know, a freak injury, which ends up ending your season, you know, the Braves end up making the playoffs that year, you know, obviously it had to be something frustrating for you, right? Yeah, it is, uh, when, uh... But when I did tell me that uh, I didn't want and I had with, um, to go to 20 day free agency and uh, I said, when I'm going to take that 20 day free agency and see what is in there. And I feel like Joey, uh, he used to be the general money for Detroit and he's uh, the head count for the Atlanta Braves and they're looking for closer. And um, Ken Mercury used to be trying to put it closer in there. And he said, you have the chance to be one of the closers. Uh, when I go in there, and he said, you can go to the closers and you can be part-time. And I said, I like to pitch one innings. I, I, how many times I got to talk to Bobby Carter at uh, uh, the pitching course. And I learned his own aid. I talked to Joe um, Corrales, Paco Corrales, a couple times. And uh, he's a Spanish guy. And I said, can you help me to be only 
that team and obviously the Braves went from worst to first that year, a team that wasn't expected to, you know, be ready to compete. Obviously they had a lot of young talent, particularly the pitchers, but probably a team that maybe in their own mind felt maybe they were another year or so away. I'm sure it had to be exciting to be part of a team like that that you saw kind of on the rise, you know, while you were there. Yeah, so it's kinda of nice to when I get in there and see everybody uh, uh, I get a friend who they all sound there, uh, all the Nixon, and, you know, all the, you know, the guys, and the Justins, and they're really cool guys, and uh, everybody's, they say, where well, you're coming from winning things, and uh, what do you think about all? Oh, I say, I, I only two with them here, I think they're only getting wins, and uh, the National League, I don't know too much about the National League, there is, I think, I think, I think everybody put it together, something they can, they can be a solid team, and they can be everybody, and, and that's when, you know, that happened, and uh, they compete with another team, and show uh, their respect, and uh, that you can beat uh, anybody and, and go from there. You know, it's kind of nice when the team is pushed together, and a lot of sports, and they say they, they never see that team be so together uh, before a lot of prejudice and individual, and, and that's what uh, I used to talk to this guy, that uh, when they try to play together, that way you can be a winning and uh, you know, that's what part of my... Yeah, no question about it. And of course, you know, the 1992 season, you end up getting traded before the trading deadline to Kansas City for Mark Davis. I'm sure it brings back, a, you know, a little bit of memories from when you pitched for the Royals in the early part of the 80s. What did you think was, uh, you know, and obviously there are some obvious differences, but what did you feel was the biggest difference in pitching for Kansas City in 1992 and pitching for Kansas City in 1981? I 
It's nice to get back in there and maybe not looking for fresh started and everything and um, knowing the last place that is how I had in my mind I had to pitch good see anything can happen because you go disappointed and then you go to the last last place and uh, you know pitch that you spot the pitch and uh, it's disappointing yourself and you have to put you together and pitch your own games and uh what happens. You know, of course, after, you know, 1992 season, you pitched a couple seasons in Mexico, and you continued to pitch really into your uh, early part of the 40s. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, your experiences after, you know, your last major league season in 1992. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I feel like I can pitch a little bit more, and uh, the velocity, I started losing my velocity a little bit, uh, in 91, when I had the surgery, I lost a little speed my arm, and uh, sometimes uh, when you have a surgery, you kind of feel afraid, and, uh, but after that, it kind of get out of my head, and uh, I said, something happened again, it don't happen, and I can be, get out of there, I go to Mexico, and really feel good, and I'm uh, trying to look for a spot, and, uh, and talk to Texas a couple times, and I know the things, and uh, my agent is working out, and, uh, I have a 21 season in Mexico, then pitch good, and then right when I, they try to put something together, then they go on the strike in 94. And then that's what happened, and I ended my career, and I'm pitching, I'm only independent leader running here close, and I'll be a pitching coach, and, and I pitch for the Kings, and then see if he can continue to pitch, and what I used to love. Yeah, now, you know, one last question, of course, Juan Barringer here, um, you know, you were obviously known as senior, senior smoke throughout, you know, your career, but, you know, at times, so was Aurelio Lopez, who was, you know, your teammate with the, with the Detroit Tigers. Did you guys ever have, you know, a discussion about it, like, say, hey, I'm, I'm senior smoke, no, I'm senior smoke? Did you guys ever, like, uh, you know, talk about that? Yeah, I was just talking about, um, is it, uh, and I used to tell him, hey, I'm younger, I'm senior smoke, you're senior junior, that you know, he said, no, 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 that's my nickname, you take it from me, and I said, well, why do you want to make people call me, and I said, well, they will call you Zapata, they will call you Gasolino, they call me so many names, and I said, no, I like senior smoke, and I want to steal it for you, and he's always talked to Tigers, Sparky, Sparky, they were like, oh, one senior smoke, because he's, he throw more harder than you, and he said, no, he was pulling for me. And I always been really friendly, and I enjoy playing with him, and he pitched me a lot of things to pitch, and uh, be really, um, to understand and, uh, how you can pitch, you know, only throw the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, well, I want to thank you for having some time. I appreciate you giving me a couple minutes, and, you know, yeah, keep, up, keep up the good work, and best of luck to you. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview with Juan Barringer. Also want to thank Rod Gasper for being part of the show in the first hour. We're going to take our five-minute break. So uh, definitely a lot of stuff to get into. Major League Baseball, Bases Empty blog, JohnPielli.com, the whole thing. Feel free to tweet at me, at John underscore Pielli. Of course, we keep this program interactive. We'll be back in five minutes.